Welcome to the Everyone's a Critic Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zarrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic, Sean Patrick. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, EveryonesAcriticPodcast.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our handle is CriticsPod. Uh, listen to us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Alexa, all your podcatchers. And if you leave a five-star review, we will read the review on the air, and that we're also doing a giveaway on our social media pages. Go ahead and tell me a little bit about that, Sean. Yeah, if you uh, give us a five-star review and you let us know you did it, uh, we're going to give you a Blu-ray of your choice of now four different movies that we have, uh, two of which will be announced tomorrow on our Facebook page. So be sure to uh, check that out there. And, of course, uh, leave a five-star review wherever you listen to us. And uh, when you do, we'll uh, be sure to happily set you up with your own uh, Blu-ray copy. Yeah, but be sure to let us know, and you can do it on any of the pla- the social media platforms, or you can email us at critics at ihatecritics.net. And if we've missed it, you know, remind us. There's a lot of stuff that goes through there. Uh, the main reason we're asking for you to let us know is a bunch of different platforms. There's a bunch of different countries, and we don't always see all of them, uh, so it, it'll help us out. We are live on YouTube uh, whenever we re-record. I will post a link on our social media pages as well. If you just happen to be on and see the link, you can watch us there. Uh, there's no set time. Uh, probably never will be, so I apologize for that. But, <laughs> uh, if you're lucky or unlucky enough to see the link on our social media, you can watch there. And if you subscribe on YouTube, I think you hit the little bell and it notifies you when we're live or when we have a new episode drop. We also have our patreon.com slash critics pod, the best way to help support the podcast. We also have our T Public merch page. If you go to IHateCritics.net and click on the T Public link up in the right hand corner, you can get yourself some podcast merch. All right. I think that's everything. So let's share the screen for our YouTube folks. And we will start with our undisputed classic. <laughs> Do things a little differently this week. Uh, our classic. You really just want to get this out of the way, don't you? <laughs> well, I'm interested in talking about it a little bit, but not. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's, it's Space Jam. Space Jam's are classic, but it's because I'm such a big big Michael Jordan fan. There's a there's a bit of a guilty pleasure there, but not. And I'm a big Bill Murray fan, and I mean none of it's like the best thing either one of them have ever done, but it's there's enough there that I don't mind it. It's kind of like my Lord of the Rings argument where I like Michael Jordan so much that I'll watch him in anything, uh, even if he's not even good in it. Cause I mean, he's not a great actor, but uh, he's right. such a great basketball player, the best ever uh, that I just like being in that world wherever he's, I just like watching him on TV. Uh, the last dance I watched that all the time. I go to bed watching that now. It's kind of been my new <laughs> South park movie or my new, you know, I like yeah. I just like being in the world so I can handle this world with Jordan in it. But go ahead. <laughs> I I I don't hate this movie because it it knows what it is. It's not lying to you. Right. Uh no one's lying to you about what this movie is. If you went into Space Jam looking to see a movie uh and then were shocked that you came out after watching a commercial about, you know, hot brand synergy and you know, notable IP, then then that's on you. 
because <laughs> they didn't lie to you one second. They never pretended this was a movie. They always said that this was brand synergy, expanding the Jordan brand and, uh, you know, kind of reviving the Looney Tunes brand, as it were. And and <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it from that perspective. I, I think that uh, Space Jam has received a uh, reevaluation over recent years, not because it's any good, but because it has the has a sort of cheesy nostalgia for being among the first, you know, nakedly uh, commercial movies. <laughs> you know, the really like where where we drop the pretense. Like other movies prior to this have had branding and have had you know corporate uh, ties behind it and and so on. But Space Jam is the one where it's just it's right in your face, like <laughs> just shoving it right down your throat that this is what brand synergy truly is. Um, <laughs> it's they've got you know they've got merchandise in the movie that I think if you click on something in the movie you can buy it. <laughs> <laughs> if they have it, that's what the next Space Jam yeah, will be. Say, you couldn't uh, click on movies at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that you, you knew what you were getting into, and uh, really, re- I, I was as I was reviewing it, I was kind of admonishing any audiences who are who are thinking negatively of this movie because. Uh, again, they never lied to you. This is what it was. This is what it always meant to be. It was never going to be anything more. And if you expect anything more, then then you're only beating yourself up. If you were expecting a movie when you went to see Space Jam, you're fooling yourself. Uh, and so that's why critics don't talk about this movie, because why would you? What is there to talk about in this movie? <laughs> There's no movie here. This is about Michael Jordan happens to have a broader appeal than Looney Tunes. So if we at Warner Media want to revive the Looney Tunes brand, we hook it to Michael Jordan and he gives it new life, uh, which he did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Looney Tunes was was an IP that was aging uh, very much at this point. And uh, while they still had cartoons and they still had various attempts at, at reviving it, this is what really brought it back to the forefront. And and again, that's why we're talking about it again in just a few minutes. Uh, is the same thing is that as the brand sort of dies down, you need a new way to revive it. And that's what this is. Um, so I don't hate Space Jam, but I have a theory on Space Jam and why people still talk about it. It's nothing to do with anybody actually enjoying this movie, not really enjoying it. You, you may enjoy like Jordan himself, or maybe you enjoy kind of the idea of Bugs Bunny. This isn't Bugs Bunny, guys. Uh, <laughs> this is not this is not the Bugs Bunny of the of the 30s, 40s, and 50s. This is a different character altogether. Um, <laughs> He just happens to be called Bugs Bunny. Uh, no, the reason people remember this is the song. I believe I can fly is the is the lasting legacy of of Space Jam. Uh, regardless of I, R. Kelly being an absolute monster who's very deservedly behind bars, uh, that song remains like one of the great songs of the '90s. Everybody remembers it. Everybody knows the words. It's, it's still to this day inescapable. Uh, oh, yeah. TikTok has even brought it back again and again and again. Um, and that's the lasting legacy of Space Jam. That's why anybody remembers it. He, just, even Jordan barely remembers being in Space Jam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like you said, you can enjoy this. You just can't. You're not enjoying the movie. You're enjoying something. Uh, like I enjoyed his the, commercials. His commercial, the Michael Jordan interactive experience. <laughs> right. I mean, it's technically a movie, but it's not a movie. <laughs> you know, it's, it's they're not pretending. Uh, Everybody knows what they're doing, and and because of that, it's halfway I, fun. <laughs> I believe I called it uh, a uh, a narrative form, colloquially known as the movie. <laughs> right. 
but even the little bit of Bill Murray stuff, as dumb as it is, it's uh-huh. you know he's he doesn't care and he's just going to say whatever right. he wants. But they don't care either, and they're letting him do it. And you know that's what's so neat about it. And even having the other NBA stars who are like A list stars compared to what's in the new one. Uh, <laughs> Again, none of it was good, but it was just kind of it was goofy enough, and they were having fun. And I mean, I always go back to that Grown Ups reference where you know they had fun making that movie, but it does not translate on screen. It at least translates here that the goofiness they're they're having fun doing whatever they're doing, even though it's not a movie. At least you can enjoy being in the world for is for what it is, and that's what I appreciate about it. Again, I don't love it. I'm not, you know, I hadn't watched it since the 90s, right. but uh, it doesn't it, overstay its welcome either. That helps. Right. Like, it gets in and out as good as quickly as possible, whereas the second one uh, fails that test pretty miserably. <laughs> All right. Are we going there then? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Space Jam, the new legacy. Space Jam, the even further synergy of corporate brands. Uh, the LeBron James brand with the Warner Media brand. Uh, the mistake that they made with this movie is that they they're again they've hired Malcolm Lee to direct it. And he's trying to actually force in some sort of actual narrative as opposed to as opposed to the just here's why we're able to do this like you basically jordan was given a basic motivation and then the movie just goes here they actually try to have a character arc where lebron james is this dad who's too serious about sports and is too serious about the fundamentals and he's driving his son away because his son doesn't actually want to play basketball he wants to be a uh, game developer uh, and so the arc should be that LeBron learns how to have fun. The boy learns a little bit, a little bit about the fundamentals, but does, he's the kid. He doesn't really have a lesson to learn here. LeBron's the one who should learn a lesson, but no, no, because LeBron can't be the bad guy. He can't be seen as the, as the guy who needs to learn a lesson. So about maybe halfway through that arc, they just abandoned that completely. <laughs> they try to make both him and the son into people who needed an arc. And that just, all that does is just flatten both of them and make them both meaningless. Um, <laughs> and so Donald Cheadle is the, is the one who's moving the plot along. He's playing the uh, Al G rhythm. God, these people are awful. Um, <laughs> it's just so bad. Uh, he wants to, steal the LeBron James brand. So he kidnaps uh, LeBron's son and then kidnaps LeBron and forces him into a basketball game with the stakes being that LeBron will be in the game for everybody or everybody. The world will be in the game forever. If LeBron loses, who the hell knows? They muddy that so badly too. It's like, just give him a reason to play the game and get out of the way (laughs) and then be done in 90 minutes. That's what, that was your job here. And they fail. They fail that because they stick around for two hours and they try to pretend that LeBron James is more appealing than he is. And he's an appealing guy. Don't get me wrong. He's even, I would say probably slightly even more charismatic than Jordan in a way, but he's, he's hampered greatly by Trump, by them forcing a narrative around him. Whereas if he'd had the advantage of what Jordan has and just get being given a very base motivation and then go, he probably could have handled that a lot better, but forcing him into a narrative where he's, you know, acting as dad, uh, which he is a real dad. I understand that, but he doesn't really play <laughs> a good dad on, on screen. His unwillingness to sell the idea that he has a lesson to learn uh, kind of hampers his ability to to be a fully rounded character. 
Uh, Bugs Bunny is not Bugs Bunny. These aren't the Looney Tunes characters that you know. They're just, he's there to say a catchphrase. They're all there just to kind of do things that are vaguely familiar from what you know of Looney Tunes, and that's it. And you know, the, the Looney Tunes brand is, is, far, is even more dead than the, the Mickey Mouse brand. Like, at least Mickey is, is so basic that you have no expectations of him. Uh, <laughs> The Bugs Bunny brand is such is such a corporate entity now that he just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it as much as you did. I don't. I'm not gonna pretend like I love it either. I part of it. One, I'll, I think LeBron's a way better actor than Jordan. I, I thought his he, he did a way, but it wasn't. I would, I'd go more than slightly because Jordan just looked like he doesn't know what he was doing, and I. It, but it didn't matter because he's Michael Jordan. Right. LeBron's, I mean, I mean, he was great in that aim, the train wreck or whatever. Uh, he, he's done things before as an actor, so I, uh, he, he has a little more experience. I, I get what you're saying. I still think they had the arc, but it by throwing the sun in there as if he had a lesson to learn, it took away from the effectiveness of it. I mean, clearly at halftime, they they pay the arc off, but it's not. Really, he uses Bugs Bunny to get there as opposed to his son. <laughs> right. And it's pretty, I don't know. That said, I, I still think this movie knew what it was. It, it was trying a little too hard to be the Lego movie uh, by putting that arc in there. And the Lego Failed movie, miserably. But there were moments that I thought were really, like, awesome. I, I thought the Michael B. Jordan thing was amazing. I loved that bit. As stupid as it was, and I can't believe I didn't see it coming, uh, it was just genius. And yeah. say, why didn't you get Michael A. Jordan? Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that was... That kind of saved the whole movie just by having that moment. Uh, I, I love the Mad Max Fury Road, bringing that in here. My son watching the whole time kept yelling copyright infringement or something like that. <laughs> And I was like, no, they own it. And he was like, they must own everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Warner Media brand very well integrated with the LeBron James brand. Very well. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, it's not a great story by any means, but it's simple enough that it gets through. I, I don't know what the deal is, why we need long movies all of a sudden. It seems like all of our blockbusters have to be at least two hours long if not longer anymore and i don't get the need yeah, for that this, this be 77 minutes <laughs> they needed need 77 minutes for this movie that's all they needed and quite frankly if they had it probably would have been you probably would like it more you know what i'm saying Cause you, I, I would <laughs> i very much would because like i like i think the arc is there but they like you said they flatten it and if you take out the stuff to flatten it uh you have a pretty solid fun movie that's still a corporate you know, commercial, but it's right. still and, fun and for again, a corporate commercial. I can't, I can't fault this as a movie. I can't because it's not a movie. It's a, it's a two-hour commercial for the Warner Media LeBron James brands. That's what this is, and it doesn't try to pretend it's not. Despite the 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 intention to have an arc there, that's more just Malcolm Lee. I think just being a filmmaker, he feels like he probably has to have a narrative, an arc, a story. Uh, whereas Joe Pitka, who directed the first one, I think his name was Joe Pitka, uh, he he didn't care at all. <laughs> he could have cared less about that. And I think that's probably the better approach to making a Space Jam is to not care about that. Um, but yeah, the movies again. If you can't complain about this, if you went to see this and you're upset. Uh, you can't complain. I'm not right. complaining because I didn't pay to see this commercial 
for for these two brands and this well-known IP. I, I'm a critic. I don't have to pay to see movies, so I don't feel bad. Uh, but if you're complaining that this was, I can't believe this was a two-hour commercial. I mean, you kind of knew what you were getting into, yeah, didn't you? If you had to pay and you were, were to go see it, you'd know what you were doing. You'd probably yeah. choose not to go, but you would know what you're doing. Uh, one thing that I thought was kind of weird is Bugs Bunny just kind of disappears two thirds of the way through the movie, <laughs> and then pops up at the, for the very end, the climax, which doesn't even mean anything because it's supposed to be a big deal that he sacrifices himself for the team, but nothing totally comes didn't, of it. Didn't set that up well. Not, not at that I all. wanted Bugs Bunny to die, but right, <laughs> there wasn't but much the of a. Right at the same time, I think Damian Lillard's character gets better, gets a better setup and payoff than <laughs> Bugs Bunny does. But he, as soon as the game starts, he disappears. Like he's not in it anymore, like hardly at all. And I don't know. It was just even really before that. But I, I, I don't know. To me, and the sun, the sun. Like they go, they go out of their way to show uh, Dominic uh, James getting all these powers. Like uh, all this handle and all this stuff, like all these you know, basketball terms for video games. And then did he play in the game? <laughs> it didn't even seem like he even yeah. played in the game. He played like the very first play. And then, yeah, he was on the bench a lot after that. And I don't know. I mean, again, it, it is it's, what it is. It doesn't matter in any singular way whatsoever. It's not a movie. It's it's just a it's there. It's a commercial for these products. You can buy each of these characters. If you're watching our YouTube page, each of these characters, including LeBron James, I believe, is available as a plush. Uh, you can get the Space Jam poster. You can get the shoes that LeBron James is wearing. You can get the jersey and shorts that LeBron is wearing all in the Warner Media store. And our Facebook page. <laughs> uh yeah. So that's enough Space Jam, unless you have more you want to say. No, that's, that's fine. All right. Let's move on to Netflix. Gunpowder and milk or Gunpowder Milkshakes. Gunpowder Milkshakes stars uh, uh, Karen Gillan uh, from Doctor Who and Guardians of the Galaxy as a hit woman who uh, was abandoned by her mother, played by Lena Hetty at a relatively young age, and taken in by The Firm, headed up by Paul Giamatti. They're the group that runs the world secretly. And uh, to keep the balance of the world, they have certain people killed, and they use uh, this woman to uh, do their bidding uh, until she does something in a hit that uh, leads to them having to eliminate her. And then she's got to turn to her mother, uh, Lena Hetty, along with Michelle Yeoh, Karen, uh, Carla Gugino, and Angela Bassett to uh, have her back in a battle against uh, about a million different <laughs> meaningless, nameless uh, uh, baddies. This movie's fun. I, I enjoyed this a lot more than I expected to. It's a little over long, but they, they really pack a lot into that uh, time. They don't really li- relent very often in this. They've got a very cl- clever narrative uh, about uh, and, and Karen Gillan, just for me, she holds the screen. I, I just can't take my eyes off of her for many different reasons, but mostly just because she's insanely charismatic and very funny. And her and Lena Hetty have a really uh, wonderful chemistry. This entire cast is really just having so much fun. Uh, this Reminds me of a lot of different movies, but I, I, I can't really settle on one particular uh, one that it reminds me of. It's about a million different ones, but uh, it's ultra violent. It's over the top ridiculous, and it's a lot of fun. This is one of the best things Netflix has done this year. 
Yeah, I I, I agree. Uh, it is over long, like you said, but you know it, it's fun enough that you know it's definitely watchable. I might probably even watch it again at some point if I'm bored. It's not. I don't know, know that I necessarily remember it all the time because there's a lot yeah. of movies out there nowadays, and we're in such a forgettable time. Uh, but it it was still if I came across it I wouldn't be opposed to watching it. it it was fun I liked the cast you're absolutely right about Karen Gillan and really all these women uh, could have done this role if they allowed women to do this role back in the day <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that's right because yeah that's what I was thinking is that you've probably seen this movie with men in it and it's failed <laughs> <laughs> But they all hold; they're all <laughs> badasses in their own way, and they're all entertaining. And yeah. They're all having a blast. They again, they captured that, and it, it's a fun movie. Uh, it's ridiculous, uh, and I guess that's what keeps it from being the next. Like, that's kind of what makes it watchable and fun, but also prevents it from being something, you know, like a Die Hard or something at the next level of action movie. Uh, but it's, it's still very good for what it is, and if you got Netflix. I, I mean, it's been in the top three every time I've gone on, so you've probably. I had do a wonder. To watch it. I get, I get what they're going for with the title, but I, I, I do wonder if people are kind of confounded by the title and kind of like they don't, they're not, they're unsure. It is a weird title. Those two words together don't really make any sense, and the movie doesn't make them make no. like there's a tangential, I guess, relationship. But uh, I think that's probably throwing people off just a little bit. But other than that, I I, I think this movie's fantastic, and I, I do recommend it. Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, let's talk about death. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roadrunner captures the the last. Uh, the life in the last days of uh, Anthony Bourdain, who shocked a lot of people in 2017 by uh, taking his own life uh, at a time when people thought he really had just kind of the life, like the life that anyone would want, uh, traveling all over the world, uh, eating exotic foods, you know, just being able to do anything you wanted at any moment. Uh, he was in Paris, or he was in he was in France in the in this beautiful area of France, uh, you know, with, a, with his best friend, uh, enjoying great food and, and driving a cool car. And he's still in that, in that frame of mind, in that place, he still decided to, to kill himself. And it just kind of leaves you just baffled and fascinated. And so this movie picks up the narrative of him, uh, in the late 1990s when he, uh, became a success uh, at, a, at a, the age of 48, having written uh, kitchen confidential. And it goes to, number one on the bestsellers list and then he gets a tv show and then another tv show and all the while he's just he seems happy but also he also seems not, not, there's not an undercurrent of sadness per se but just this kind of constant longing for something else constant uh, search for something and one of his friends has this really fascinating statement because one of the things that Bourdain is known for uh, before he became uh, a, a global superstar was uh, that he was a heroin addict and he famously quit heroin cold turkey, which any heroin addict I've ever talked to and heard from has stated that's hardly possible. Like they can't, it is superhuman, the notion that someone could just stop using heroin. And what his friend says in the interview is that he, he's never, he never stopped being an addict. The, addict, the addiction jumped. It jumped to other things. So the addiction would be, uh, you know, 
travel. The addiction would be a particular kind of food. The addiction would be uh, he got into jujitsu really heavy, like to the point where he was annoying people with how <laughs> into jujitsu he was. Like his friends would get tired of him talking about it for hours on end. He was obsessed. And one of his obsessions eventually became his last girlfriend, who is a, a well-known actress, Asia Argento. And when that relationship goes wrong and he's desperately like addicted to her, you don't want to blame. They're not trying to necessarily blame her for what happens, but but certainly they 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 don't necessarily let her off the hook for her role in in how she treated their relationship, considering uh, his personality and what she may or may not have known of him at the time. But at the same time, you know you can't be responsible for somebody becoming addicted to you. If that happens, it's not your fault if they if they burn themselves out in that way. Uh, you can't be burdened with that. Uh, no human being could take that level of obsession to have somebody addicted to you, as this film implies that Bourdain may have been addicted to her and and everything about her. Uh, even the Me Too movement became part of his part of his addiction, and trying to get Harvey Weinstein for what he uh, did to Asia Argento became this obsession for him. Uh, he was so obsessed with Asia Argento that at one point he was. In an interview, he would not stop talking about her ability to parallel park a car. Hmm. And he just to the point where he, she is visibly uncomfortable with the amount and, and just the time that he's taking up of their time to talk about this. And it is a, it's an awkward and, and hard to watch scene. Uh, and that's what makes this movie so endlessly uh, fascinating. So they're not claiming he had a history of depression. At all, they just. I mean, in the, not necessarily. There's really not much talk about him having any any sort of depression. Um, he he obviously may have. There's certainly that. I'm, I'm sure that's probably part of it somewhere, but it's not really anything that's diagnosed. He did see a therapist um, uh, occasionally when he felt like it, but uh, there's no real talk of any any like long term depressions. And Asia Argento is not part of the film, correct? Right. Yeah, she she refused to to be part of it. Well, I heard they wouldn't let her. That's I read an interview with the, oh, the filmmakers didn't want to do it. They every time they they kept working her story in, but they kept taking the narrative a narrative they wanted to tell down to a different rabbit hole that they wanted to leave out. <laughs> which huh. I read, which kind of was like, well, then you're not. It sounds like you have your story made up. <laughs> so, I, and again, I don't huh. know. Uh, I haven't seen it, but that interview kind of threw me off a little bit. Uh, I, and I, I mean, I know who he is, but I, can, I mean, to me, he's like a Kardashian. I don't know anything <laughs> other than his name. I, I never saw an, a second of his TV show. I've never read any of his books. I just kind of know, know that he exists or existed. Uh, so I don't he know. Was, he was, he was a, you know, a deep guy. He was an intelligent guy. He was uh, a fascinating person who did, fascinating things you know the, the his show was about more than just food and travel he mm-hmm. wanted to expose people to to you know different cultures and and tell people's stories on an individual basis and he tried very hard but he was also one of it one of the many obsessions that he took on that uh, uh perhaps was part of his depression again that's that's not really necessarily mentioned here but uh was that he became obsessed with people who were suffering and if you try and if you become obsessed with suffering, it's impossible not to take that in and make that part of yourself. Yeah. 
All right. Let's move on to Pig. Pig. Pig stars Nicolas Cage as a... Uh, I initially, when this movie started, I thought it was set in the 1800s because he's so dirty and he's living in a cabin and it's just him and a pig and there doesn't appear to be any type of of uh, modernity whatsoever. And then this car, this car pulls up, this Camaro pulls up and you're like, oh, it's the modern day. Uh, and he lives in a forest outside of Portland with his pig and he searches for truffles and he uh, trades the truffles for the things that he needs to get by on a regular basis and and he's got a, a life that makes him you know, content, uh, which is, I think, what this guy is capable of, is contentment. Uh, but then one night, some two people break into his cabin and steal his pig. Uh, they want to steal the pig so the pig can get them truffles and they can sell them and buy drugs. Uh, the pig then is uh, moved along the line to Portland through this sort of restaurant underground where people each want to get their hands on the pig so they can you know, use it to get truffles. Uh, the secretly they don't, what the secret that they don't know is that he doesn't need the pig for that. He knows how to find them regardless. The fact of the matter is, is that the pig is his friend. And this is a movie that is not about you know, the violent retribution uh, search for, for, for a pig related to money. This is about the spiritual emptiness of the world uh, around him, uh, where he found contentment with his friend in this life. Uh, he loves something more than himself, and these people don't understand that. And thus, because of that, they expose how empty their own life is. And <laughs> what a fucking great movie! I just what a bold, ambitious, brilliant goddamn movie. Well, you said something last week that it's not John Wick with a pig, but what this does is it, it flirts with that possibility the entire time and never goes there. And then the direction it goes is uh, more like Chef, <laughs> you know, the John Favreau <laughs> movie. Uh, I, I, to me, you know, you've watched these Nicolas Cage movies, and he's always going to be interesting. He's always going to be yeah. original. And sometimes the movie keeps up with him, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> and this movie was right there with him the whole way. Uh, <laughs> this is such... It's a great watch. As it, it does a great job of letting it unfold for you. Uh, it doesn't. You don't really know what's going on. There's a silliness to it that they play very straight. Uh, everything about it is just perfect. It, it is. It is a hell of a movie. And I mean, I'm really starting to kind of like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, starting I to move him up you there. Know. You know, when you keep talking about the Travolta cage thing, I'm just like, fuck the guy who's doing that. Travolta <laughs> didn't even, shouldn't even be uttered at the same breath other than the movie Face Off. Because uh, Cage is kind of a genius in a weird way. And, like, we're going to talk about another movie, too, that's not as good, but there's something, I don't know, I just, he's really, really kind of, he knows what he's doing, and it I, it's, I think and he, he sometimes it, it appears that he doesn't like sometimes he's just out there picking up paychecks and just be you know and that was the much of the early 2000s is him just paycheck 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 you know and not really much in investment in what he's doing occasionally he would liven up but it's been since mandy that it seems like he's really himself again like he's really found it again but I, I challenge, I think we should go back and watch some of those movies that were paychecks. Yeah, they were paychecks, but he was, I, I mean, I'd go, I think he was great in Bad Lieutenant. 
Uh, there's a bunch of movies we never watched that you know we might have individually saw one or two on the side. Uh, His straight to video stuff like no. Bangkok Dangerous is impossible to watch. The the that those those movies set in like the where, where he was like a wizard or where he was like in these in the 1400s or something. Those those movies are outer garbage. That may be, but he is not. You know, you watch uh, Wicker Man. That movie clearly is, he is trying to do something there. I mean, Al Pacino, I think we mentioned on the show how he he's blaming that he's purposely taking bad moves to see if he can make them better. Uh, Cage may be taking a paycheck, but he's definitely doing something unique and everything he's doing. But oftentimes, like, when when you look at his performances, it's like, like, Peggy Sue Got Married, I think is a wonderful film. He nearly tanks the whole thing because he wants to do his own thing, because he wants to do that stupid voice. And he does that so often where it's like he picks one thing in a movie that he really likes doing, and he doesn't care if that harms the movie or not. And that, that makes him fascinating, but at the same time, it also makes him kind of an arrogant prick. Yeah, that, that's I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, a- as he's getting away from those successful movies... <laughs> financially successful <laughs> movies and going into this more indie kind of route. I don't know if indie is the right word, but definitely not your, you know, he hasn't had a lot of theatrical movies in a long time. I mean, like truly wide releases. Uh, I don't know if this is truly a wide release. Uh, it is but, shockingly enough. It is, but in, it definitely isn't playing on multiple screens in a multiplex, you know, like most movies are, uh, so I I don't know I think there's when he lost everything trying to buy all the Elvis shit and marry his daughter and all that crap right I mean one it adds to the fascination uh, but two it seems like he's started I don't know I I don't know I'm just starting to come to terms with some of the movies that are really quite good or at least the performances are and this one is. I mean, there you are, can't compare it to Mandy because it's nothing like it. Right. But, but there are two scenes in this movie that are legit two of the best scenes in any movie this year. Uh, that There's a scene where he's talking to this uh, uh, this chef at a very fancy restaurant, uh, and he just breaks the guy's life down in front of him, and it's just awe-inspiring. And then he, there's a moment that's almost basically silent where he's just he's revealed Adam Arkin to Adam Arkin himself. Uh, and And the way he breaks Adam Arkin in that moment without saying a word is just, oh, God, breath, breathtaking. Yeah, and it's like, you know, if it were a John Wick movie, the big bad fight scene at the end, only <laughs> it's not a fight scene. It's so much more... And not, I'm not saying it's better than John Wick. It's, they're unrelated. Right. Uh, but it's, it's still fun. They clearly had that in the back of their mind making this movie. And the way he breaks it down, it's just so artful that it's just another level. And I don't know. I think this one's going to hang around for a while with me. This was, I really, really enjoy it. I made my daughter go watch it with me because she she had nothing else to do. And I was like, you're going. Uh, And as we're watching it right off the bat, she goes, this is rated R. How is this rated R? (laughs) And, even when it was over, she really didn't quite understand I was rated R. But that's because kids are so desensitized. But yeah, uh, I, this was a hell of a movie. Everybody I know that saw it loved it. So so good. One of my top five of the year for sure. Oh, easy, undoubted. All right, Willie's Wonderland. 
again, I love this movie too. <laughs> this movie is so completely different, but I just adored it. This movie, uh, how do you even begin to describe what this is? Uh, Nicholas Cage plays a guy who gets uh, shanghaied into working at this place called Willie's Wonderland, where he's the only employee. His job is to spend the night at Willie's Wonderland and clean the place. And uh, he, what he doesn't know is that he's going to be this unwitting sacrifice to these satanic uh, mechanical uh, animals in the place uh, <laughs> that uh, the town has been kind of keeping up. You know, they kind of feed the animal uh, every now and then with this outsiders they capture from the world and, <laughs> they captured the wrong guy this time because he was more than ready for this bizarre situation and of course Nicolas Cage was ready to be attacked by animatronic animals of course he was <laughs> I mean, the, this movie he plays entirely silent says not a word maybe a couple of grunts that's right. it and the rest of the movie is just completely silent and I loved every second of it the bizarre decisions that he makes uh, throughout to where he stopped at one point he just stops killing because it's break time <laughs> he's got to go have his punch pop and, and play and play a video game and then he'll, then he'll get back to killing these things uh these there's these kids in town and they're they're only there to kind of extend the runtime. They're really in the way <laughs> like right. you can do entirely without the kids in this movie. And they do uh, drag down a portion of this film for sure. Uh, just by basically providing a body count. Although I did the one, the one young lady does provide some sort of, she provides some narrative function. She provides some emotionality that would otherwise be absent. But I, my favorite thing about the movie though, is just his complete, dedication to doing the job like yeah he's being attacked by animatronic demons but he's also actually cleaning this place <laughs> you know he cleans the bathroom and then he gets attacked by a gorilla and he kills the gorilla and then he fixes the bathroom <laughs> god damn it it's fucking brilliant that is so i just could not get enough of that and i just so wanted to see what it would look like once he cleaned the whole place up that just became like this element of completion for the for me that this needed closure of this whole thing was just his obsession with consistently like not only that the, the multiple times he changes his shirt he'll kill one of these animatronic things and then change his shirt because he got oil on it he's gonna get another <laughs> shirt like just these weird little things that he's obsessed with. I could not get enough of it. And, you know, I'm adding things to this movie, you know, as a viewer, but I can't help. Like, the kids get in the way and do bring the movie down. Yeah. Almost to the point where the movie doesn't work. <laughs> but he elevates it so much so that it, I mean, it's his movie. And without him, it's literally nobody else could be in this movie uh, and make this even halfway work. My wife was like, this is like something your brother would do, only you put Nicolas Cage in it to actually make it good. And and it is. I mean, that's this director deserves no credit whatsoever. Nicolas Cage did everything. I, I He had to have. I can't... I don't know. It's such a small movie that he... That said, you know, there's one thing about that. I have I can't prove this. I have no evidence for this whatsoever. I have the feeling that Cage just told the director, I don't talk. Yeah. And the guy's like, 
well, you're Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I want you in my movie. So, uh, yeah, you don't talk. I feel like he brought the his six pack of the soda, whatever it was. Uh, the shirt changing was his idea. I just all of that. And maybe none of it's true, but it felt that way. And maybe yeah. it's not true. And the director made it feel that way. And that maybe he really is a genius. But uh, it was it was just almost like the movie couldn't keep up with Nicolas Cage in some ways. Yeah. But his like they literally had to throw those kids in there just to slow down. Those, like, Nick, Nick, we can't have you kill all of them in a row. We, have to break we need to know how these we need to we need somebody to deliver the backstory monologue. And it's get just her to do it. <laughs> And I don't know how movies get pitched to him. I don't know. Like, all of that is fascinating. If I could interview anybody in the world right now, it would be Nicolas Cage. Just cause, and he wouldn't tell me anything because he's such a <laughs> weird fucking guy. When we went and saw Mandy and they did that Kevin Smith roundtable thing or whatever it was. Yeah. He came dressed in all gold and he was just everything he said was awkward. And <laughs> Yes, it was. It was like a human. It was like an alien wearing a human suit. Uh, <laughs> but added to the fascination, I don't know. It's he's either completely unaware or he's totally aware. Either way, it's working for me lately. Yeah, uh, these two movies. I mean, this pair of movies from one actor in one year is just phenomenal. Uh, this is just fantastic. There's another one we haven't even watched yet. Like something about space or out of. Uh, there's another oh, the one. Color out of time. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't even realize that came out this year. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 next week, color out of time. I want to every week. There's a new Nicholas Cage. movie. <laughs> like I want to go back and watch those money grabs in which oh with God. a different frame of reference. <laughs> you know, I don't necessarily want to watch Con Air or the rock again, but maybe, I don't know, <sighs> but this was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you, Pig, for coming to the Quad Cities because yeah. without that, I don't. I probably don't see this movie. I love Pig. Yeah. All right, 1991. We're not going to talk about it. But Bill and Ted's Bogus <laughs> Journey came out. <laughs> I loved it at the time. Uh, and then Dutch never saw it. Uh, all my friends did and told me I should have saw it. And it's not available to watch. Failed attempt at the creating the uh, Al Bundy. Ed O'Neill brand. Was he Al Bundy already in 91? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to watch that show as a kid. So. <laughs> I don't know when that all started. Uh, next week, Snake Eyes, uh, the G.I. Joe origin. Oh, we should, watch, uh, we should watch the Nicolas Cage Snake Eyes instead. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> but we should. <laughs> It's up to you. I'm up for either one of them. Yeah. Uh, you tell me what we're doing. Uh, All right. Uh, old from M. Night Shyamalan is coming out. Uh, there's a movie called Jolt on Amazon Prime. We may or may not watch that. The Last Letter from Your Lover on Netflix with Shailene Woodley or whatever. Uh, How It Ends and Broken Diamonds. You've already seen those. Our classics either going to be Snake Eyes or This is the End. <laughs> Depending on what Sean chooses. And Snake eyes and we'll throw in color out of time. <laughs> I, I'll do that right now. I'm not kidding. 
<laughs> or is it color? I can't remember what it's called. Color uh, out of space. I think it's something, something out like of space. Yeah, yeah, color and space are in it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I will end this I podcast totally, and I'm gonna go watch one of them right now. Yeah, we're doing that. All right, we're definitely doing Snake Eyes and the space movie. Uh, <laughs> 1991, The Doctor, Another You, Life Stinks, Mobsters, and Vi Warshawski. Uh, not the most <laughs> entertaining week from 91, so we'll make yeah. it fun with Nick Cage. Uh, so that is our show. Let's go throw some flick chart at him if you're up for that. Sure, sure. If you're not uh, eager to get too eager to get to Cage, I mean. Oh, I am. <laughs> but we are running. It's only been 45 minutes, so <laughs> give him a little bit of time. Oh, wow. Short show. Well, Space Jam. I mean,. How, how, <laughs> how do you talk about a commercial for that yeah. long? We we did pretty good. I agree. Uh, Captain America Civil War, The Bone Collector. Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Bone Collector is a pretty big disappointment for Angelina Jolie and Denzel Washington together. Agreed. Spanglish, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead. I like Spanglish. As do I. The Duke of Burgundy? Never heard of it. I sound like Ron Burgundy reading the <laughs> name with the question mark. Uh, Aaron Brockovich, the remake of Suspiria. Aaron Brockovich. That Suspiria remake was a joke. Yeah. Sicario, Shutter Island. Sicario. Yeah. So I married an ex-murderer, the Adams Family. Adams Family? Yeah. Bar was a little lower on that one. In Bruges, Stranger Than Fiction. Those are two really good movies. Uh, in Bruges is better, but yeah, yeah, I like both of those a lot. Agreed, but In Bruges sticks around in your head a little longer. The Day of the Earth Stood Still, 1951, Scary Movie 3. Day of the Earth Stood Still, really, really great classic sci-fi movie. More people need to watch it. Yeah, North by Northwest, All About My Mother. That's tough, actually. Like, El Motivar is a fucking genius, and All About My Mother is absolutely brilliant, but North by Northwest is North by Northwest. Yeah, one of the best of all time. The Town, Enter the Dragon. <sighs> the Town for me. Yeah. Wait, that is the... We're talking about the crime movie, right? I hope so. That, that poster <laughs> looked very weird, didn't it? It, it did not look like the Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> yeah. But it, it was 2010, so I think it was. Yeah, but, uh, that's a really great movie. Agreed. Aragon, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Three billboards. Aragon's such garbage. Yeah, the burbs. Vanilla Sky. <laughs> Vanilla Sky for me. I should make you flip it. but <laughs> If I even liked the burbs a little bit, I would. But I'll just let you have it. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. U.S. Marshals. Scott Pilgrim. Agreed. Jumanji, the original one. The birds. The birds. Yep. Step up revolution, man on fire. <laughs> the only time I'll ever pick man on fire. Be a fun time to go against Ooh. man on fire, though. Hell or high water, X Men. Hell or high water. Agreed. Still remember that movie. So good. Absolutely. So good. Incredibles 2, Man of Steel. <sighs> man of Steel. I like my Superman dark. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm very alone in that 
Island. <laughs> uh, Barton Fink, Deadly Friend. Barton Fink. Yeah. Star Trek 2009, Teen Wolf. Star Trek. I think Teen Wolf's stupid. Agreed. Thir- <laughs> 13 going on 30, Beverly Hills Ninja. 13 going on 30. What an adorable movie. Yes, it is. Back to the Future, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> Back to the Future. Swingers, Splash. Swingers. Yes. The Descendants, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. That's tough, but uh, it's Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. But The Descendants is a very underrated movie. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with fun over the, yeah, any day. But yeah, I agree. The Imitation Game, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Agreed. Battlefield Earth, <laughs> Bicycle Thieves. Bicycle Thieves is by a lot. <laughs> it's a very weird comparison. <laughs> I mean, Nicholas Cage can make Battlefield Earth work. <laughs> I think it would be crazy oh, enough that it'd be fun. I want, I want the alternate universe where that happened. Uh, close, enco- <laughs> close Encounters. Or Stand By Me. I'll go with you. I mean, it was to the point where I'm like, talk to my brother. You should ask. Just see if you can get him to be in your movie because I don't know what it takes. <laughs> Like, we're coming up on episode 500, and I'm thinking about, what if we just reach out and see if we'll be on the what podcast? We, I mean, you I, know. What do we got to lose? <laughs> yeah. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore, The Lady Killers. Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore is a classic I need to see still, actually. Like, I've heard a lot about it, but have not actually seen it. Fine. Dirty Harry, or the worst Conan Brother movie. <laughs> I'll take the lowest run Conan Brother movies over Dirty Harry. Yeah. Ed TV, The Simpsons movie. Simpsons movie. Agreed. United 93, Phantom of the Opera, 2004. United 93, even though it's still so weird to even talk about that just like it's a movie. Right. Weird. To be or not to be, 1942, Lord of the Rings. I don't think I've seen To Be or Not to Be. I have not either. The Replacements, (laughs) Lord of the Rings. Fine, I'll pick... Stupid Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Agreed. Colton. Weirdly enough, just following along on a September 11th vibe, <laughs> the United 93 came out the same week that uh, that the replacements came out. <laughs> no, wait, that was Hardball. Sorry, that was Hardball. It was a Keanu Reeves movie. I knew Keanu Reeves sports movie. Oh, man. Keanu Reeves forever linked with September 11th in my mind. <laughs> Cold Mountain, The Adams Family. Cold Mountain. Agreed. One floor of the cuckoo's nest, Highlander. <laughs> cuckoo's nest. The mechanic, a fistful of dollars. Fistful of dollars. Did you see Clerks Three got money? Really? Yeah, Lion- I had heard. Lionsgate bought it. Uh, oh, that's cool. And he starts filming in a month. <laughs> Very cool. I can't wait to see that. Guess what happens in it? If you had to guess, knowing Kevin Smith, what do you think happens in this movie? Oh, gosh. I have no idea. Randall has a heart attack and then makes a movie about it. Because <laughs> Kevin Smith cool. had a heart attack and makes movies. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Yes. 
I remember being in high school and all the kids that were the Star Wars nerds talked about that movie like it was going to change the world. <laughs> and then it was hot flaming garbage. Well, they this was after they saw it. <laughs> so they were like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I would have never known the actress named Dina Meyer until because <laughs> they were all talking about her after that. Uh, I don't even know why I've never seen the movie. <laughs> Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Gross point blank. Gross point blank. For, but I, I love both of those movies. I hate gross point blank. But maybe I need to just watch it again. I'm not going to make you flip it. Because I don't. I'm not married enough to a young adult enemy at the gates. Young adult. Love that movie. Joker Wally. Wally by a lot for me. I would have gone with you, but then you said by a lot just to like piss on, <laughs> piss on Joker a little bit. <laughs> I think Joker's good. I hate Joker. I, I, I've really come around against it in a big way. I was starting to get it go with you because you, you know, when you talk to someone every week, you get starts to rub off. And then I watch it again. I'm like, but this is actually pretty good. <laughs> so I'll flip it, even though I like Wally and Wally wins anyway. Good. Tails for everybody watching at home. I can't see. <laughs> Not that I'd ever lie about losing every <laughs> single time. <laughs> Anchorman 2, The Taking of Beverly Hills. <laughs> Anchorman 2. 10,000 BC, The Muppets, 2011. Muppets. Titanic, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Titanic. I'd like to see that crossover movie uh x-men apocalypse flags of our fathers flags of our fathers i guess the proposal yeah. bill and ted's excellent adventure the proposal for me i actually like that movie i really i think it's funny i even when you were talking about space jam earlier i just kept thinking about how you because ryan reynolds wasn't playing the bugs bunny character in <laughs> <laughs> and then you were literally saying Bugs Bunny wasn't playing the Bugs Bunny character in Space Jam. <laughs> I just thought that was really funny. I don't know why. Uh, no one at home's going to even probably get it. <laughs> but on the waterfront, sleepless in Seattle. My conception of Bugs Bunny is still the 1950s Bugs Bunny. Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing with you at all. <laughs> I mean, Ryan Reynolds wasn't even playing the Bugs Bunny character, but as a person, he comes off <laughs> right. as a Bugs Bunny character all the time in interviews yeah. and everything, so I get it. I'm sorry. I just looked up at the at the flick chart and saw my, my hero, Ryan Sandberg, and then he's just talking about how cannabis makes his life better. Oh, yeah. He sells weed now. Did you know that? <laughs> I had no idea. It doesn't bother me. I'm not nothing against it. I'm just like, oh, that's my hero. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I use this product now. I never did before, oh. but now that Ryan Sandberg does it. <laughs> no i i a friend of mine actually told me he was a spokesperson for a weed company i was like oh that's pretty funny oh um, man get it get the money yeah, uh, on the waterfront over sleepless in seattle for me agreed uh beetlejuice lethal weapon 2 lethal weapon 2 agreed completely paul blart mall cop varsity blues Varsity Blues. I love that movie too much. <laughs> the Rising of the Moon, The Brothers Grimm. I've not seen The Rising of the Moon. Dave or The Brothers Grimm. 
Dave. All right, Kingpin or Apollo 13? That's that's tough. I think Apollo 13 is a really great uh, movie. It's you know it's a blockbuster. It's got a very you know, straightforward kind of well made, well intended movie. But Kingpin's fucking hilarious. When was the last time you watched Apollo 13? Are you at all worried about a backdraft kind of? <laughs> this is too much of a movie. Honestly, no, okay. I think I think Tom Hanks and, and Gary Sinise are so great. Not especially Sinise. His performance is. Uh, I think better. Wait, well, obviously it's way better than Force Gump. Force Gump's a piece of shit. Uh, it's just it's the best performance of his career, and I I really love his part of that, and he really makes that movie for me. So I don't think that can be ruined. Um, That's good. A Kingpin is way better. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen Apollo it's thirteen. Funny, in right, it's just such a. Oh yeah. I can watch Kingpin in a minute. <laughs> right. And Apollo 13, I'm going to wait till it's a class. So it's 30 years old to watch it again. <laughs> if I even remember that week, depends on how busy we are. <laughs> <laughs> Spanglish to Skinner darkly. Spanglish. I agree. I feel like we're in the minority though. Uh, father of the bride, final fantasy. These are just getting boring. <laughs> yeah. Final father of the bride is better than final fantasy, but who cares? Seven pounds. Saw four. Saw four all the way. Agreed. Lame is Jumanji. Lame is. <laughs> Give us something challenging. Uh, Turtle <laughs> three, Tenacious D. <laughs> it's a Tenacious D. <laughs> all right, we're done. Uh, two movies Nicolas Cage is not in. Right? <laughs> but he would be great in either one. He though. would make he both would be- of them better. He would be so amazing in K-Pax or Ronin. He would improve those movies by a landslide. Like they would actually be memorable classics with Nicolas Cage in them. Honestly, Nicholas Nicholas Cage would improve more movies than any other actor. The problem is there's so many bad movies out there that yeah. he's probably the only one that can make them watchable. <laughs> now he would ruin as many movies as he would make better. Don't get me wrong. You put him true, in, true. yeah. You, you know, you put him in Pulp Fiction, and he probably fucks it up. But he would save a lot of bad movies. It's so true. I can see him. I, I, K-Pax is a real piece of shit, but he would totally, he would be amazing as an oh. alien. <laughs> like there's certain guys you take Kevin Spacey's roles. Now that you can't watch his movies anymore and you throw Nicholas Cage in there, he might make them all <laughs> better. John Travolta, another one battlefield. Can we just, can we do like one of those Christopher Plummer Kickstarters to <laughs> replace all of that? All of, Nicholas, repla- use Nicholas Cage to replace all of Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I mean, even the good movies Kevin Spacey oh, was in, right? I could see Nicholas Cage pulling. I could see him making Usual Suspects in American Beauty even better than they are. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Can you imagine Chris Cooper kissing him? What that would be yes. like? That would be amazing. I can totally see it, and I want to see it for real. <laughs> like. Oh my god! Oh, that's our Kickstarter right there. We're starting a Kickstarter to replace Kevin Spacey in every movie with Nicolas Cage. That would be amazing. We should set that up just for fun and see what happens with it. Might get a little, might get a little traction for the podcast. All right, that's our show. We'll see you next week. Good day.